0: Welcome to the lipstick league i'm natalie agonoff hello and i'm nicole moholic and we have another guest another guest oh yeah
1: <laughs> pop culture come to play with us uh today is breland moore uh breland covers the kansas city chiefs uh originally from reading went to temple and i was you know so nicole and i are kind of doing this thing now where we're exploring different cities to see what the fan bases are like. And when we were talking about the cities, I was just like, I have the perfect person for Kansas City because like she knows Philly too. It's like, Nicole, how many people like know Philly and are everywhere?
0: Yeah, it is, it's really, really, really cool. And of course they're all badass women who like have a Philly connection and like know the craziness and the passion for Philly, but then have these amazing careers that they've moved to other cities and embrace this other city that they live in. And when we kind of came up with this concept, we're like, we really need to talk about this and like, and kind of showcase all of it. And now it was like, I got the, and I was like, well, of course, like Kansas city is like, yes. So thank you for doing this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm super pumped. When Natalie sent me the DM, I immediately was like, yeah, absolutely. pencil me in because I thought this was going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. All right. So Breland, give us, obviously, Natalie mentioned you're from Reading, yeah. but like, take us through, like you were born at what hospital at what time? No, just kidding.
1: <laughs> 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 your parents names are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: so yeah, I was born in Reading um, and I went to Muhlenberg High School. So a lot of people, there's like, Famous people from Redding. Um, yeah. Now, Chad Henney, after he saved the, the divisional game for the Chiefs, man, Yes. surpassing Taylor Swift on this Redding, Pennsylvania <laughs> famous chart, at least here in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, that's like, that's everybody's question is, did you guys go to the same high school? I'm like, Chad is approximately eight years, eight, year, you know, seven or eight years older than me, number one. Number two, he went to a rival high school, so not the same. So I, always, yeah. I have to say, I went to Muhlenberg High School. Um, and then obviously, as you guys kind of mentioned, I went to Temple University for broadcast journalism after I left Temple. Oh, by the way, I was Hooter the Owl, which
0: you were. No, wow, wow. Wait, how, for how long?
2: Um, three years out of my career. So, the first year I was there as a freshman, um, <laughs> I tried on the suit, I was kind of helping, but I wasn't officially I the Owl. What's up? What year did you graduate? 2014.
1: Oh, okay. So you were, yeah, you were quite a few years younger than me. I was going to say when I was there was like, I I remember being some redheaded guy. I'm like, so you probably got it like, (laughs) (laughs) according
2: to the, uh, the athletic department, at least the staff that was there. Okay. Um, I was the first woman to do it. Wow. Wow. At least in their, in their modern knowledge and, and ability to think back that far so um as far as the staff that's there is concerned I was the first woman that they had ever seen I'm sure there was others maybe I don't know um that's awesome so that was that was really fun um breaking
0: glass ceilings in the mascot world
2: (laughs) odd place to start but sure yeah um and then uh after I graduated temple I took a job at service electric in the Lehigh Valley so I covered a lot of like Lehigh Lafayette things like that um and then I spent two years there, went to Rochester, New York. And that was my first experience with the NFL because I covered the Buffalo bills. And then, um, 2019 in September, I took the job here. So I spent the first two games of the season with Buffalo. Um, and then made the quick transition to Kansas city and came at a really good time because they won the super bowl. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) So what was actually, what's actually your, um, where are you right now? What's the call letters of the the station?
2: So I'm at KCTV in Kansas City. Um, it's a CBS affiliate here. The
0: CBS so, affiliate. Yeah. Okay, cool.
2: So we have a lot of the games on our air, which is really, really rad. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. I knew it was going to be a crazy experience to come here because I had a sneaking suspicion that there was going to be a Super Bowl run at some point.
0: Yeah. I think
2: it was going to be six months into my tenure here, Um and now i'm obviously in the midst of another one so it's it's completely mind blowing but it's even more mind blowing the fact that the team i just left is now here in town and they're competing in the afc championship like what? how incredible is that
1: that wait that is so insane i i like wasn't even thinking about that so what um so the transition from like buffalo to kansas city what was that like like well first of all let's like like let's go back a second what are what are the fan bases like? I guess in both cities. So like you've experienced, I mean Buffalo. I mean you were in Buffalo, hey, like yeah. About that because anybody that I talked to, like even like a lot of the Eagles beats that I worked with, they would be like, we hate going to Buffalo. So what was it like living in Buffalo? How were the fans? Like how cold was it?
2: I actually like Buffalo. I <laughs> think Bill's, I think Bills fans are incredible because they have. They're so multidimensional, right? You see them smashing through tables and throwing inappropriate items on the field at Tom Brady and all of this insanity. And then they also have this crazy awesome side of them where they just like chuck thousands of dollars at people's charities and just help people. And they really embrace that City of Good Neighbors nickname. so I I personally love Bills fans. I respect their passion. I even more so respect the fact that they had not made playoffs in 18 years. There were kids in that Yeah, there were kids in that parking lot yeah. that could vote and had never seen the Bills play in a playoff game and yet they still showed up and packed that place season in, season out. So like I have so much respect for Bills fans, but it was freezing cold. I invested in a really great jacket.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah
2: it snowed from like October to May. So it was a lot. Um, But I, I enjoyed my time there. I genuinely was really upset and um, I was a little Charmin soft my last day because that locker room and that organization is just so top notch. And, you know, Sean McDermott shook my hand and wished me good luck. And he was like, you're going to, you're going to be great. You're with my mentor, Andy. Like you're going to be so, you're going to be so great. And all the players were like, Hey, we'll miss you. You know, Thanks for hanging out with us for three years. And um, one of my friends from college was is still on that team, Dion Dawkins. He went to Temple. Um, yeah. he gave me a big old hug and he was like, get that paper, girl. Like, go ahead. <laughs> they just wish me so so many well wishes. And you know, by the time I got to my car in the parking lot, I was just tears down the face. Just yeah. it was so nice.
0: Yeah. So, well, let me ask you this really quick about Buffalo is that no did you cover all the sports when you were there, or did you just cover the bills.
2: So um I was in the adjoining market in Rochester so we covered the bills and the Sabres because Rochester doesn't have any proteins. And- right, so
0: that was actually my question is as a sports anchor covering sports in that area, what else do you talk about if it's oh, yeah. if you're not talking about the bills.
2: It's everything. So I would go to Syracuse for basketball and football games. I would go, um, you know, cover everything that's in the Rochester DMA as well. And then obviously we would touch on the pro sports in Buffalo because they're just so big up there.
0: So Um, what NBA fans are up there?
2: It's a mix, right? There's um, a, you you get some New York fans. A lot of people gravitate toward Toronto. um, Okay. That makes sense. So, right I mean
1: I and would also, go over the next yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: you yeah. also get some Cleveland fans as well because it's also kind of in proximity right so you're never really sure same thing with um baseball as well Buffalo doesn't have a baseball right team, um but they have minor league teams but there's right. no professional team up in western New York so Ooh. you kind of get the same type of split there as well
0: Okay, so you just kind of cover like a hodgepodge.
2: Yeah, and it's the same thing here, you know. After yeah,
0: that was my next question. Yeah,
2: immediately go into Kansas, Kansas State. Well, probably not Kansas State, the where they're going right now. Um, but right. Kansas and Mizzou will most likely be making the NCAA tournament, right. so yeah, <laughs> them in postseason. Um but yeah, it, it never stops. Then in the summertime you get the Royals and we have a Kansas Speedway is here as well. So we get some NASCAR here and there, um, sporting Kansas city MLS. So it's just, we just got a brand new women's team. So that's really Brad. So it's, it's such a hodgepodge of everything, but you're never bored. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So then, so three, I I mean, three years anywhere, I feel like is a really long time. So you did three years there and then you, So you made the jump to Kansas city. And then how was that?
2: A lot. It was really overwhelming. And, um, I'm working on myself. I think it's very much a maturity thing. Once you're in the industry, a couple of years, you know, you, you don't psych yourself out as much, but when you're still kind of young, um, and making that jump and I, that's, you know, if you don't have five years in the game, that's kind of, you're, you're still growing. Um, (laughs) And so it was really, really stressful. And I remember like cramming because I had to still cover the bills and still do my job duties there. But while I was driving to Orchard Park, I would listen to Chiefs podcasts to know what was going on during training camp here in Kansas City. And I was essentially learning the ins and outs of both teams. At one time, it That's was really, great. really overwhelming. It was a lot, but you know what? It came in handy now because I can use all of that knowledge. <laughs> yes, the- you're literally in championship. <laughs> you're like,
1: literally, just like juggling both teams now, which is amazing. And you know what's funny? I um, so when I co- I covered the Eagles in 2017, my sister was giving birth, and I was like in the room with her, right? And we were playing the Cardinals the next day, and I was just like sitting there, like my sister was in labor because she wanted me in the room, and I was like. <laughs> about like the cardinals and their stats and everything like so i i mean like i totally relate and then like she gave birth at seven o'clock in the morning and then at like 10 30 i was like at the in the press box at the link and someone was like oh net! like how was your week and i was like i just watched the miracle of like it's it's so insane like when like I know exactly. I, I just like know that feeling so well. So then you get there, and you just had to like totally immerse yourself.
2: Yeah. Um. I think it it really helped also because there is anytime you go to a new place, um, especially after spending so much time in your old market, you know, you walk in that locker room, everybody knows who you are. They say hello. You know, you you build such great camaraderie with them. And then I walked into this locker room, and I like I could just Feel that pit in my stomach of like these people don't give like any you know, they do not care about me whatsoever here like they don't know me from Adam um they're never going to talk to me anything like that but that being said the good man upstairs was looking out for me because two days before I arrived here mm-hmm. LaShawn McCoy was cut by the bills and sent here to Kansas City and yeah. so I had a friend in the locker room yeah. I was so excited yeah yes Yes, he, he, he that's like that's vowed it. for me immediately. He's like, hey, did you get cut too? I'm like, oh God, I got signed in free agency. I guess that's <laughs> my contract was up. I came here and he was telling everyone, he was like, that's my girl, Bree. She's like, she's really rad. We, she does great work. You know, she used to cover the bills and now she's here. And he like was my little advocate, my little agent throughout the locker room. So um, that really helped a lot kind of get me a little more settled here um and be able to to do my job effectively because that takes a while just to build their trust and absolutely to get them to talk to you that takes let's weeks.
0: <laughs> take it back for a second growing up were you since you're from Reading, were you a fan of philly sports teams like oh. how how did your love of sports come into play
2: so my grandfather didn't he now has a grandson but there's an age gap between my mom and my aunt okay and So I was the only, like, I have a brother, but he really wasn't interested in hanging out with my grandpa the way that I was. Right. I was, I was his like road dog. He would take me to every place. Um, Baseball really wasn't my thing. I couldn't get into baseball. Um, I feel like that's kind of hard for a kid to like sit at a live baseball game and, you know, when there's cotton candy and everything else going on. But he took me to a minor league hockey game, the Redding Royals. We're in, they, it was their inaugural season. He had season tickets and he was like, Mom, my friend Paul can't make it. Why don't you come along? Paul never went to another game for the rest of forever. You were like, <laughs> I loved it immediately. I thought it was so great. I was like, look at them. I, I little barbarian. I'm like, they're fighting and everything else. Like, tell me everything. I need to know everything about these guys. And um, yeah, I, we ended up going to, we would go down to the Spectrum and watch, um, the Phantoms we would go to Hershey we would go to Scranton we would go obviously you know Hershey Wells Fargo. Great, which
1: sorry great minor team minor leagues like, yeah. That, I yeah. Love,
2: yeah I love minor league hockey I think that it's really fun and it's, it's fun. affordable you know yeah um, we occasionally went to what was then called the Wachovia Center and watch the Flyers. But I was really into minor league hockey. And so was my grandfather because he was like, if she's entertained by this and it's half the price, absolutely. I'll take you wherever you want to go, kid. Right. um, That was really it. And I always was really good at English. I was always really good at just talking to people and and, um, getting to know them and wanting to know stories and stuff like that. So I just kind of thought one day and I'm like, you know what? i want to do this for the rest of my life i didn't realize that you know find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life is a load of bull because yeah. you work harder because you're passionate about it
0: yes um yeah
2: but i, I wouldn't change it and you know it, was it a little risky yeah i went into life with absolutely zero backup plan like
0: same
1: same
2: i had same. i minored in art history Like. There was literally no safety net for me whatsoever, so yeah, um, I had to do it, and I don't know, there was just no other path.
0: And here Is are. your yeah. is your grandfather still alive? Like, oh, yeah, he was, oh, awesome. He
2: calls me, um, and he asks me questions about. He's a, you know, my family switches loyalties every couple of years, and oh, that's funny because, um, you know, the Eagles play in the NFC, so it's like I covered AFC teams, so it's. There, there's no issue.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so,
2: um, they'll watch, they'll watch the bills or whatever for three years. And then they watch, you know, the chiefs now. And so he'll call me and ask me about Patrick Mahomes and you know, what happened to the kid? What, what's going on? So, um, and then we'll still talk, talk hockey with me every once in a while. Cause I'm the only one that watches it really in the family. So, um, but yeah, I, I grew up traditionally a Philadelphia sports fan. I will say, I was a terrible person in my youth, and I might, I might have re- really loved Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. You
0: did?
1: Um, That's yeah. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, I still And why.
2: I still honestly really love Sidney Crosby. When I went to Halifax, I went to the um, their Sport Hall of Fame, and they had like the whole Sidney Crosby exhibit, and I <laughs> went just because I, I mean he's just fascinating to watch play. Yeah. He's a little too many concussions now. So. Yeah. But when he first started out, man, that was so much fun to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was so. amazing. And it's so funny. Like, I, like, love, you know, I, like, love to hate him, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they can't stand. Well, Drew. So, Nicole, Drew, Claude Drew was supposed to be, like, the Sidney Crosby of Philadelphia. So, when the Penguins signed Crosby, he was, like, this young hockey prodigy. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Mario, or, um, yeah, Mario Lemieux, like, basically, like, raised him. Yeah. And, like he like moved Sidney Crosby in with him and like raised him to be this incredible hockey player. Wow.
0: Like, and they haven't done a
1: movie on this yet. Not yet, but
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: and um, so he was like taking over the NHL. He was the first star. I feel like that the NHL had really had, don't you agree? Like in.
2: In, I mean- our, in our era. Yeah. Because yeah. there was this kind of lapse between like, the, the, Fias, the Wayne Gretzky's yeah. and then and there was nothing I mean yeah. there, there, were, there were there were standouts of course but nobody of that caliber until Sidney Crosby came around
1: yeah so then like the Flyers I think were trying to like imitate you know they wanted to have this like really young captain it was just the way that like the NHL was trending at the time and so that's how Claude I mean in my opinion looking back I'm like they kind of put the C on Drew back then hoping that he would kind of turn into like the stud or just trying to like mirror that. I mean, he never,
0: he never did, which is kind of like the whole, the whole concept of this whole series is I really believe that Philly ruins athletes. (laughs) That we get them here and we think that they're going to be a superstar. We think we, Carson Wentz was supposed to be Patrick Mahomes, right? We don't know what's really going on with Ben. I mean, obviously, Joel Embiid is killing it right now, but who knows? But Ben Simmons, he was supposed to be the next LeBron. And now he and Carson Wentz are, I mean, basically, it's like they're going to be working at Walmart next year, you know? <laughs> and obviously, now we have the this, Sydney this Crosby story. What's going to happen to Bryce Harper? He was supposed to be just as big as Mike Trout. And he's in meh land too. So that's kind of how, like, this whole thing came about was like, does Philly ruin people? And how do other cities treat their athletes? Because I really believe that Philly's too intense and the modern brain of an athlete with the pressure of social media, media, internet, they can't handle it. They can't handle Philly. And And that's what happens. And now, you know what it's called? It's called mediocre land. That's where, that's where we're living.
2: (laughs) Nicole's very upset. (laughs) And that makes me so sad because there points have been made. Like there were points in there. I think, especially when it comes to like the Crosby-Drew debate, in my opinion, and this is gonna get me some hate, so please don't at me. Um, Drew wasn't good enough to be pegged as Philly, Sidney Crosby. And that's no knock on Drew. I think he's a phenomenal hockey player. Yeah. That being said, Sidney Crosby's a once in a generational talent and you can't peg somebody as the next, this when that person is a once in a lifetime talent, same thing with LeBron James. There is, yeah. there is no next LeBron James. There is no Phillies LeBron James because LeBron James is in a complete category by himself. And no one's going to stack up. So they have to just kind of be their own person. But the expectations of you are our X, Y, Z is put on them. And then when they fail to meet those expectations, because they cannot, then we have an issue. Right.
1: Um, And you know, what's funny is I, we, I said that before I said, sometimes I feel it's the way that like the teams market the players, right?
2: Yeah, you market them as their own entity and, and stop trying to make them things that other markets have because it, it, that's just not, that's not who they are.
1: That's exactly um, right.
2: And I think that was a really awesome way that Buffalo handled Josh Allen.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
2: yeah. keep in mind, the pick that got Patrick Mahomes to Kansas City was from Buffalo. But they read, recognize, and Sean McDermott is a genius. I think, uh, you know, in my opinion, he deserves coach of the year this year. Um, Just because he took that team from not making playoffs in 18 years, 17 seasons to an AFC championship in three years. Um, Shout out Sean McDermott, Philly boy. Um,
0: Yeah.
2: But it's amazing. Yeah. He has done some amazing things, but the, the, my favorite is that they marketed Josh Allen as the franchise, but they never tagged him as like the next Patrick Mahomes or the next, you know, this or that he was just his own thing and just let him develop as he does and i think the development of josh allen was a little mishandled his rookie season a lot mishandled i think that's one of the most egregiously bad things that that organization has done in the past three years but he (laughs) is who he is now and they never try to compare him whatsoever um to to anyone else and i think that that really helped his case because he's not trying to be patrick mahomes he's he's josh
0: right so that that's the that's a perfect segue because let's talk about buffalo let's talk about kansas city we could talk about buffalo first but how does the media and the fans treat the athletes do they are they hard on them do they do they build them up is it is it because in philly it's negative it's always negative it's very rare that it's positive i mean even after Carson wentz got hurt it was like Even for like weeks, even before, even as we were going to the Super Bowl, people were like, there's no way that Nick Foles is going to pull this out, right? And then obviously when it was over, it was all celebrated. But Philly in general is very angry and negative. That's how they treat the athletes. So what is it like in, let's talk about Buffalo first, and then you can talk about Kansas City what what is the vibe how is the intensity and I think that you kind of let it in a little bit when you were talking about Josh Allen that they didn't put any expectations on him they kind of let him flourish and now here we are
2: yeah I think um it Buffalo is a tale of two halves for me because there is pre-Sean McDermott which I was there for and post-Sean McDermott and the differences are massive and I think The best thing that that helped Sean McDermott escape those criticisms is the fact that they broke the draft, his very first year as a head coach. Um, They went to playoffs. No one had anything to say after that, really. You know what I mean? It was very much a, all right, he he clearly has a process. Like, he's clearly doing something here. Let's back off for a little bit. And I think that really, really helped this regime. When Rex Ryan was there, Mm -hmm. oh, my. Right, Um, so
0: what was some of the differences?
2: There, I mean, just because it was complete chaos and Bills fans were just angry. And I mean, they had a right to be angry. When you don't make playoffs for that long, I would be angry too. um, It's a clear mismanagement of the team. But there was a lot of anger and hostility and, um, you know, it was a very tough time to be in Buffalo. And unfortunately for the Sabres, they've just been so bad so long and then now that the Bills are in an upward trajectory, I almost feel like there's this weird, um, this kind of like nonchalant attitude, like no one cares anymore. Because it's right. like, they are who they are, whatever. Like maybe one day people in Buffalo will start caring again, but there's just this weird type of, eh, whatever, type of attitude towards them, which is horrible. But it but is- that's
0: kind of um, how I know a couple of Jets fans Right, like I three people in particular, in fact, my boss, Raz, who Natalie knows is a Jets fan and then, excuse me, two old coworkers are Jets fans. And that is how they feel. They're like, meh. Like there's, and you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time is the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. (laughs) And so when you become indifferent, that's to me is the red flag. And a lot of Jets fans are just indifferent. Like they can't, they're just like, eh. Right, And they they don't even get excited. So I, so it is interesting. And I think so much of what you're saying about the bills is like there was a level of like indifference and anger. So then when like Sean McDermott finally got in, it was almost like apprehension. Should like we get excited? Should yeah. We-
2: yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, when Josh came to town, I think overwhelmingly people were positive. There were some, you know, because a lot of people read a lot into analyticals and things like that. And for me, I was surprised that they chose Josh Allen, considering there were other people who might've been more accurate or had better draft reviews on the board. But I know enough because of just working in the league that, okay, if they pick this kid over somebody else who is, you know, better on paper, there has to be a reason why. Right. Because they they're the ones who sat with this person. They're the ones who you know did all the homework on this person and they're picking their franchise quarterback, the highest slot ever for a quarterback to be drafted by this organization. They see they know something that I don't know. And clearly they made the correct decision.
0: Or you hope they do, right? That's how I feel. Like I feel like I want them to be smarter than me. You know what I mean? And so many times. Yeah, and so many times I'm like, I'm not trying to be conceited, but I don't think you are smarter than me, and you've done this for a living.
2: Yeah, um, but I, I feel like- because, Howie, Roseman?
0: Yeah. Howie Roseman?
2: I don't yeah. know what's going on there. I, <laughs> and I feel so bad because now I am that indifferent about the Eagles.
0: Worth it too, yeah.
2: Because those are, that's like my, my little- Wait, Natalie,
0: you're cutting
1: out a little bit. Say that again. I said that's a healthy space to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I always have a rule um, that I don't really... I'm a casual fan at best nowadays for Philly, just on the basis of I'm... I can't know the ins and outs. I can't know everything that's going on because I need to know what's going on here. Yeah. (laughs) That pays the bills. So um, I used to have a rule back when Buffalo never made playoffs is that I wouldn't get really really into football you know as a fan until after my team was done well that rule kind of went out the window here in Kansas City because it's not possible yeah <laughs> so, I- you know just n- uh, get really into a team after your team is done
1: because this team doesn't doesn't ever seem to be done here <laughs> yeah <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> they have not stopped. so wait so talk, can we talk about like Andy Reid for five seconds yeah. Just, just
2: you can, can talk you, about Andy Reid as long as you want? <laughs>
1: can you just, gosh, just, like just, just go, like just, just tell he, me about Andy. How's he doing?
2: is I think he's doing pretty well. Um, I was so afraid to meet him the first time, like I was so intimidated.
1: Oh, I, I would just be like,
2: <laughs> and I, like I kept whispering to my coworker, I'm like, that's Andy Reid. And like, <laughs> okay, what, like, what's going on? And I'm sitting there in the press conference, like pretending to. tweet. And I'm also like taking a picture of Andy and like with my foot in the photo and I'm like mom look how close I am to Andy Ray. <laughs> I was just so excited um but he's like such a nice man and once he finally did speak to me like one-on-one we were actually this was like a year later because i was so afraid I don't know why um but I saw him at the combine and I always shoot my own stuff you know that's just the life of a sports journalist, you know how to shoot, you know how to edit, you know how to do everything. So I'm with my camera, just walking around doing stuff and Andy comes up and he is like, oh, every time I see you you got that big old camera, you're just, (laughs) you're working just so hard. You just always work hard. Look at you. And I'm like, oh my God, Andy Reid says I work hard.
0: Were you like, dad, thanks dad.
2: (laughs) Because when, like when normal people say you work hard, it's like whatever, when Andy knows that you are a grinder and a hard worker, it's like,
0: yeah. I would have just like laid down. Yeah,
2: okay. status <laughs> simple. So,
0: you like, I know this isn't, this isn't professional, but can I have a hug? <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you.
2: Um, no, he is the absolute best. Um, and I'm so, I'm so glad that was one of the main reasons why I took this job. I mean, other than like the fact that the chiefs were really, really good. It was just so cool to be able to cover a, my, one of my favorite childhood coaches like who gets to do that who gets yeah. to say something like that so um it's been an amazing ride and and everybody here just loves andy and because he's just so likable i don't mm-hmm.
0: know
2: i love him he makes me smile well
0: that's actually a really good a, a good question about andy is that do you feel that kansas city embraced him with open arms because you know when he got there it they weren't the franchise that they are now do you know oh, what i mean um Or do you feel that like, do you think they always welcomed him? Was it, was it a part of their like, oh, he's, because I feel like in other cities, there's a sense of hope. We're like, Philly never has a sense of hope. It's always a sense of doom. Um, And so that's, that's kind of what I'm, what, what did they think of Andy? I mean, I know you weren't there when he got here, but you spent enough time around other people. What did you think of, what, what, what is the vibe of that?
2: Oh, yeah. I think everyone was pretty excited um, about him coming here and just what he was able to do. I mean, he almost immediately turned this organization around and they have playoffs, I believe every year except for one or maybe two that he's been here. So I mean, just the immediate turnaround was incredible. And the fact that he was doing it with pieces that you don't see today, like Alex Smith and and those types of guys, but he was still making playoffs and and still kind of on the trajectory of being serviceable. And then of course, once he added these pieces, they are who they are right now. So um, everybody just loves him. And I think it's just the coolest thing is that I grew up with this person in my home, you know what I mean? Like watching him every Sunday in my home. And then I come here and I see the exact same thing happening. It's like everybody, just everybody loves Andy.
0: Um, What's the? Really what's the relationship like with him and brett veach who by the way is from where i grew up so i grew up near the poconos and brett veach is from mount carmel and that was like a big rival i went to Marion catholic go colts um but like really you know obviously brett will listen to this podcast but um shout out to him because my high school was a little bit like friday night lights okay and um our football coach Stan stand acosti who has, had been there when I was in high school, retired. And then the football program kind of started to go to shambles and he went out, came out of retirement to bring back the program. And because Brett played football at Mount Carmel when when coach DeCosti was coach at Marion, he did like this whole zoom last year for oh. the kids. Of, and I mean, I went to a Catholic high school in the middle of like not far from the Lehigh, in between the Lehigh Valley and Reading. Um, so I just thought that was mad cool. And obviously what he's done, but they say the relationship with him and Andy is good. So, from your point of view, um, talk a little bit about him and, and their dynamic.
2: Um, number one, Brett Beach is a genius. Um, I the, he's a wizard. Like some of the things that he's able to pull with the cap space that they have is just I had I was. And I love Chris Jones as a person. So that like really hurt my heart all summer that they weren't getting a deal done with him. And I was like, there's no way they're going to be able to keep both Patrick and Chris Jones for like the money that Chris wants. Right. No way. And that's going to hurt my soul because Chris Jones is one of my favorites um, in the locker room. He just cracks me up. So um, I was really, really upset about that. And then when the Patrick deal came through and it was literally half a billion dollars, (laughs) I'm like, oh, there's no way
1: yeah
2: (laughs) and then all of a sudden here comes brett beach just waving his wizard wand and boom chris jones is resigned he keeps everybody and like what what is this man doing um brett beach is an absolute genius and i love the relationship with him and andy because andy just defers a lot of stuff to him and he's like look that's brett's job like i let him worry about that he's just the man that crunches the numbers and and you know his scouting team is second to none and um, he, he just, he really just takes control, but
1: I. Do you hear think- that trust, Nicole? Do you hear that trust that. Yeah.
0: That trust that can you them? imagine? Yeah, because I think, and, and I think I'm just being kind of, I'm co- being kind of funny, but a little serious is that like where I grew up Northeastern PA it's, you know, like the, the scrappy little coal mining town and like uh-huh. you get to know like work ethic and you can I, I don't know. I just feel like everybody that I know that's from where I grew up, we have that thing They can kind of read people. And I think when you're a GM, like obviously the money matters, but like, and you even actually said it talking about a a little bit ago, talking about, you know, the interviews and the scouting. And it's like, you have to like, analytics can do whatever they do, but you still need that, like, whatever that is inside. And so much of this podcast, we talk about that, that like chutzpah, that, that spark, that connection, that, that thing that you can't put your finger on. Do you know what I mean? Like, the chemistry is what makes things happen, and it's a chemistry between the front office and the coaching staff, and the players, and the trainers, and it, it's the, it, it's that thing that that ta- that untangible thing that you can't that you can't figure out. And I just think that some people just know how to look for that, and uh, and other people don't. I and I think Howie caught magic in a bottle during the twenty seventeen season, and it was able to happen. Have that but for whatever reason we it's can't be right re- it hasn't been able to be replicated here in philly but clearly it's been going on what four or five seasons now that it that they keep building upon that in kansas city
2: yeah um it's really remarkable what they were able to accomplish here and i i the that intangible thing that you're describing you can feel it when you walk into the locker room yep. and you just know that all of these guys are playing for each other. And I think that that's why you saw the display that you saw um, in the second half of that game when Mahomes left with an injury during the divisional round, you have two options. Either you completely fall apart because you have no idea how to handle a game without your keystone person, or you rally and you do the best that you possibly can. And every single player, you know, I talked to them yesterday and um, Eric Fisher He's an offensive lineman and he was like look we needed we knew in our heart that of course we want to get up every game and we want to make sure that patrick feels okay but pat is pat he's used to being back there um when chad came in like everybody collectively was like let's go like we had to make him feel as comfortable and confident as possible um and so that we can get the job done and the same way on the defensive side of the ball tyron matthew Chris Jones both said like, we absolutely knew like, all right, it's go time. We have to win this for Pat because we have to step this up and, and make this one of the best possible, you know, two quarters. We can be, we can possibly turn out because we need to, we need to bring this home. Like no one was ready to go home and we all needed to collectively pull it together um, for Patrick and, and for each other. And I think this is such a beautiful thing and you can, it is a tangible thing that you can feel when you walk into that locker room. And to be quite honest, When I first got to Buffalo, that was not existent. When I left Buffalo, it was the exact same type of, um,
1: it's an energy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. where everyone's in it. There's no ego. Everyone's in it for each other and they want to collectively win as a team. Um, and that was just something I knew leaving that facility in Buffalo that I was like, there's something special here. And I feel really bad walking away from it, even though I know that I'm going to a situation that also probably has this going on. There's something <laughs> special,
1: and sure enough, you know, they're killing it. Yeah. So, it's, um,
0: it's yeah, so
1: tell me. I swear, I swear. And I told. Remember when we talked about that Super Bowl season? We did an episode where we talked about when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I yeah. that episode because th- again, that was the year I covered the team. Like, luckily, and. I remember like you walk in and it's just like it's this vibe that that you that you feel like it you almost feel like you're floating with them right like
2: you can't can't describe it it's just something that yeah you you can just feel when you walk in it's the weirdest thing but that you're completely right it's just like this energy that goes on and it's just the coolest thing. And you, I can even feel it off Zoom calls, you know, because it, they're just so together and yeah. in and in unison with each other. And that's how you know that this team number one um, is going to go far because they're not in it for themselves or in it for any sort of anything um, except to win a championship. And So many of the guys, you know, when you ask them, hey, you know, your sack percentage isn't as good as it was last year. I don't care. I care about getting another Super Bowl ring. Like, why would I care about my personal stats? Well, a lot of people do, dog So, like, (laughs) you know, it's just it's so
0: fun to be on something like that. Yeah. Well, I I also think think it, it some of it might have to do with the fact of the culture, right? Like we now that Alex Smith has had the season that he has had and the comeback and yeah. Patrick Mahomes for the last three seasons have talked about how Alex, I mean, what happened with Patrick, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was drafted to take over for Alex Smith and Alex Smith knew that mm-hmm. and still mentored him. Right. Where it, there wasn't a quarterback controversy. It was, this is what was happening. And Alex Smith knew it. And, and he did what he needed to do. Right. And, that's not what happened in philly you know what i mean like that's not what happened at all in philly and so i think that that's it, it does say something about the caliber of people that you have around and and sometimes and i've said this a lot and natalie talked about it too like you are dealing with majority of men who are under the age of like 28. they're very young they're very immature they're used to being superstars so you need the people above them in those leadership roles to be able to help mold the culture, and I feel like Kansas City has done a very good job of that. Even before, like when they first drafted Patrick Mahomes, you know, when Patrick Mahomes was just Alex Smith's backup, they set a standard for the culture, and I think that that's something that um, is lacking in in Philly.
1: Well, and you know what's funny, just to piggyback off of that. When now, like with the whole way, the whole way that this um, Doug Peterson Carson Wentz drama is, yeah. My, like another thought that I had was, if the head coach is in competition with the quarterback, like what does that say about the state of your franchise? Like, right? Because now, like the way that the narrative is going and the way that the story's shaping up to be is um, that you know. Carson is the reason why Doug left. And it's like, their relationship was that bad that, like, it was a me or him situation? Like, yeah. it means that they were competing with each other. The, like, for something, and it goes back to my theory that Doug Peterson doesn't like starting quarterbacks because he's <laughs> up for his entire life. Like, right. I'm so convinced that that's the thing. But, like, get, like, you're saying, like, they, like, just the way that they... Are with each other and like again, they just have each other's backs. Like Andy's not in competition with Patrick Mahomes, and it's like, well, this guy's <laughs> a star. So like, it's me or him. You know, it's like, yeah. You just, I just feel like Philadelphia is so far from where the Chiefs are right now. You
0: yeah, yeah.
2: I feel like even and this is more like an outsider looking in, obviously because right at, and at best, since I have other like yeah. Obligations.
1: I, but I would not have the headspace
2: for. Yeah, when I yeah, <laughs> yeah, as as I feel like I need like a little like thing to just like put yeah, in the drain and like drain it and then um you know restart. Um, but when I saw that they drafted Jalen Hurts, immediately I was like, well, why would you do something like that?
0: Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: just it immediately creates a. A discourse right there. Yeah. Uh, and you're creating a quarterback controversy, especially when someone who has been hurt, who is continuously coming back from injury, you are putting him on a burner that's on high heat right now because you just drafted a young kid who's hungry. And that's that's the difference. Um, that would never happen in Kansas City. They're never going to draft A quarterback, even if Patrick Mahomes is, you know, has an off year or whatever, they're never going to draft a quarterback because it automatically creates this quarterback controversy that you don't want. And then it also, I mean, again, outsider looking in, if I was Carson Wentz and I watched that draft, it it would psych me out too. Like, of course it would to know that now you have a pressure um, and that your, your organization might not believe in you or whatever the case be, they, they drafted that quarterback with a high enough pick like that for a reason. And the reason is most likely they don't trust me to be able to do the job. So yeah, what gives, you know, um, it gets into his head and, you know, it gets into other people's heads and then create this narrative. And it just, and immediately when I saw that, I was a confused B, I was like, this is bad news bears. Not, this is not going to be good.
0: Her. but this kind of goes oh. back to like the the whole point of this conversation is that I feel like sometimes in other cities if that would have happened people would have rallied around Carson and they would have been like you like we got it we got it but here it was the opposite it's like well this means he's gonna suck and it was almost like it was painful what they predicted happened yeah. do you know what I mean so and and it goes back to like right there's there's some people who are grace under pressure and there's some people who crack under pressure. And it just and that goes back to, to knowing the players, right? It goes back to that process of what makes you click. Obviously Nick Foles in a regular situation sucks. In a high pressure situation, he flourishes, right? He is grace under pressure, but a regular game, terrible. But then you have somebody like Nelson Aguilar who in a regular situation, he killed it in the Raiders, but in a high pressure situation, he cracked. He couldn't take it. Right. Aaron Rodgers. Right. They draft Jordan Love and he's like, fuck you, dude. You're never even going to dress Aaron Love. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Love. So all of a sudden he, you know, Jordan Love. And so now he's playing the bet. So it, you have to know, who you're dealing with, and they they knew that this is, has been fucking with Carson's head since he's injury. Nick Foles won everything, and they didn't care, and that's the problem.
2: And I think, I think there was already, you know, for me, there was already this narrative of Carson's constantly hurt. Like, he hasn't really done anything since his rookie season. Like, what are we getting here? Right. And then they literally sabotaged that by drafting another you know, quarterback and created even more issue than there needed to be. But, you know, I'm hoping that they hire well and, you know, hopefully somebody can get in there and, and really help. Who that is, I don't know. I personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, Beats us! Beats I, us! I personally <laughs> have someone in mind that apparently the National Football League is not interested in hiring. Who? Um, oh, Eric enemy Okay. I'm obsessed with that man. I okay. think he is just listening to him talk. I feel like I'm in church, right? And I just get so inspired, even with my own personal situation. So he was, um, he was talking one time about uh, the, the fact that he's gone through cycle after cycle and not been hired. And he's like, listen, I can only control what I do where my boots are. Um, I can come into this office every day because no matter what, I have a job to do. I am the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I have to be the absolute best that I possibly can be at the job where my boots are on the ground. And I come in day in and day out and do the absolute best that I possibly can. And if it leads to other opportunities, great. But I need to focus on the task that I do every single day and just be the absolute best I can be and whatever happens beyond that is out of my control, but at least I can take solace in the fact that I am doing the best job here. And sometimes, you know, when you're not in a good situation employment wise, or, you know, you you get too caught up in looking ahead. That always comes back to me. And I'm like, wow, I have to do the best that I possibly can and control my controllable. And then everything else will hopefully fall into pieces, uh, exactly the way that I want them to. so. so-
0: It's an interesting part. His story is an interesting part of the conversation because from a football standpoint, what he has been able to do with Kansas city and the offense. And obviously the players seem to really respect him, but there's two, but there's two other parts of that conversation that I feel may be the, well, first of all, the fact that, you know, for whatever reason, the NFL has a thing with hiring blackhead black head coaches, like that's a reality, like obviously Mike Tomlin, it's like, I'm like, yes, but he's like one dude. You know what I mean? Like you can't have one token black guy. Like you have to have like representation matters.
2: It's literally Tomlin and Flores, that's it. It's right. It's
0: right now. So, so that, but then also his past, like he got into, when he got into some, I think there was some issues with um uh assault when he was like younger and he was the player, right? Like when you look at his bio, he did, he didn't, he had a little bit of a rough pass when he was in his early 20s. And I feel like the NFL, right, everybody has, but part of me feels like the NFL's like, do we want him to be the, the face? Right? I don't think that would matter for a white coach, though. I mean, I really don't.
2: Yeah, I was literally going to say Urban Meyer covered up assault. Yeah. Literally the reason why he lost his job and he just was hired as a head coach. So yes. I, I think that argument is complete crap. Um, and look at all of the issues that NFL players go on now, like Ben Roethlisberger was the face of the league for a really long time. Yeah.
0: But he's white. I don't
2: know what Ben Roethlisberger is about. Yeah. So like I, I absolutely think in my opinion, um, race has a a lot to do with it. If not, right. Um, there is no reason and, and people will make and that that it's so frustrating because you get those stupid like billion number Twitter people and they're like well what if he doesn't interview well I'm like I talk to Eric Biennemi every week dog there's no way this man is not interviewing well if he can like touch right. me into my soul in a press conference like imagine what he's doing in an interview setting there's no way that man's not interviewing well um there is no way that that he doesn't call his own place that that's coming into it okay well if you're saying that Andy Reid always calls his own place how did Matt Nagy get a job how did Dougie get a job like, right if the offensive coordinator never calls plays how come all these white people are getting jobs how come Mike Kafka the quarterback coach is getting looks from Kansas City but apparently EB not going to get hired again yeah why do we continue to push this Kafka narrative why because he developed patrick mahomes no he didn't andy reed did you're gonna give andy reed credit for that why is why is kafka's name coming up and i think the the most egregious portion of it was the fact that the texans a team that is notorious for racism yeah. um i'm sorry when you get on a national platform in 2017 and i know that it's not you know Olhen has now passed on. That being said, it is still the McNair family that owns them. And yeah. when your patriarch of your family gets up and says, we don't want the inmates running a prison about your majority black players protesting. And then when your black quarterback is saying, please interview this man, I want to work with him. And you don't even request it until said quarterback goes public about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What? I, I, just why? Hmm. Yeah. Let me yeah. think of all the reasons, you know, so it's just, it's just very difficult to see, especially, you know, and and people just continuously make excuses for it. And it's like the National Football League literally incentivized the Rooney rule this year because they realized it was such a bad problem. Yeah. And we're still having this argument about, well, maybe it's because it doesn't call plays or maybe it's because we know what it is. At this point, we are very aware. The NFL is aware because the NFL literally changed the Rooney rule again. So it's just really disappointing. And um, for me, it's really frustrating to see the NFL paint end zones and, you know, do all this symbolic stuff and, and talk about making things more equitable. But when they have an actual opportunity to change those things, they just refuse. And it's really, it's really upsetting.
0: Well, yeah, mean,
1: you know what's funny about that is like, I feel like anybody who sees that, like you just understand it like so well, right? And then it's anybody who is in denial about it. They are the people who keep making the excuses. And Mike Biscinelli said to me um, this week, we were just talking about the state of the world and whatever. this was off the air. And he said, the reason racism can continue is because um, the beliefs are harbored in denial.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, you have to get past that denial before you even get to like where this, where this is coming from. And it kind of like, it's so true, but it kind of like hurt my soul because when you think of some, like an organization like the NFL is like, like you're saying, it's so frustrating because the rest of the world who is aware of, you know, how racism functions is seeing yeah you're painting the like you're saying like you're painting the end zones and stuff but like you're not actually doing anything to fix the problem and like anybody who knows knows and like you're just so it's so like frustrating and like you're so stupid like that's how i'm feeling where i'm like how could you be so dumb how could you be so dumb
0: yeah, it doesn't matter what you say or no. what you post. It's the actions that behind it. And they've done absolutely nothing no. to actually make act- actions, make actions yeah. to put a stance, you know? Even how they handled the whole Kaepernick thing. Like, not the fact that he's not playing anymore, but just, like, how shady it all was, where, the payoff, and, and, like, all of that, you know? It's, like the majority of your league is black players. The reason your league is what, like, I, I get it. I just, I, I, did you ever see the the funny video where the lady like strips naked on the corner and she's in Santa Monica and she starts screaming? And I'm like, that's how I feel. I'm just like, ah! I was like, I get it. I get how she feels, you know? She's probably on crystal meth, but like, I get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's be- really, it's really on that note, we should probably- yeah. I know, but before we let you go, I just want to ask you one more thing what is the has there ever been you know in philly right now we're dealing with so many leaks right where players um players are talking shit about other players specifically the quarterback you know there's leaks from coaches have you were in buffalo at the worst obviously you came to kansas City at the best and even personal lives right like they love to talk about the fact that like What's going on with them having kids or like if they're going through a divorce. And I think that that matters. I really do. I do think that that matters. Obviously, becoming a dad really helped Joel Embiid. Becoming a dad made Carson Wentz worse. You know, I really believe it. I want to know, is that part of the conversation in Buffalo and Kansas City with the fans, with the media, or is it basically just all about how they play on the field?
2: No, there, I think it's a, a delicate balance of both. Um, i have not really, it's been a really long time since we've had players like talking about other players I, that might've happened. Like maybe the first year I was in Buffalo, but once Sean McDermott came in, that was, that was not a thing. Right. Um, in the leaks, just in the organization in general, like no one knew what was happening in Buffalo unless they wanted you to know. Um, so Right. I think just in general, that culture has changed and it's very similar here in Kansas City. But no, I mean, we talk about things. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes obviously is everybody, he's the king of Kansas City. And so everyone wants to know about Brittany getting pregnant or if they're engaged yeah. or, you know, what are the dogs doing? And, you know, every th- single thing that he does. If he buys a car, people want to know about it. If he, you, you know, do anything, yeah. people want to know. Uh, so I think it's just like very common. Um, I personally don't care. Like I could care less. Oh, see,
0: I'm the opposite. I want to know all, and it's not even drama. It's about, because uh, I really believe that what goes on in their personal lives affect how they play. Like I was all about Travis Kelsey and his Kayla. girlfriend, Kayla. Oh my yeah. God. I love them as a couple. And then it was drama. And then they had the Christmas picture and I was like, okay, all right. Like, what? let's, that's they, broke
2: for, they broke up for like a week because she definitely was in here posting things about like her in a corn maze and whatnot and I'm like, right. I don't know what that is. That's in Kansas. What right. are you doing in Kansas when you're not supposed to be with Travis Kelsey? She was like boarding her dogs um, in a like kennel here in Kansas City. So I'm like, you ain't ne- you ain't even never left, but you made this big <laughs> thing on social media about y'all breaking up and you definitely never left. And it was like this big hush-hush thing. But everyone- it was,
0: it was hush-hush. Why do you think it was hush-hush?
2: I'm like, this is so dumb. Like why do, why, who cares? But to me also, I feel like because I I work with them constantly, they're normal people to me. Right. So I don't care what they're doing in their personal lives. I do follow Mitchell Schwartz, who is the Chiefs offensive lineman. do follow his dogs on instagram cupcake and pumpkin are elite um they have more followers than mitch himself like by a lot um i love those stupid little things they're so dumb they're so dumb looking they're pomeranians and especially with like mitchell schwartz is like 300 and some pounds and he's like six foot five he's carrying around these dumb little dogs that are like this big i love it so
0: stupid yeah I'm always like it's so funny because with Natalie I was like uh did you see Lane Lane Johnson's ex wife's? like she posted and she's like I don't what are you talking about I was like this matters I go she flew off to Oklahoma and she's like oh I don't know I'm always like I'm I love and again it's not even like the draw I mean plus I'm in I'm in the the music side of radio, so I came from top forty. Now yeah. I'm in country. So like to me, I love. That's why I like this podcast is so fun because it's like the combination of it all. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, who cares what their stats say? I don't like. Let's talk about the fact that I haven't seen so and so post a picture of their kids. I bet you that there's a separation headed, and then it comes true. I'm like, I told you and that's why he sucks this season because it's he hasn't been going to couples counseling
1: she does she'll be like oh my god like jj reddick's wife dawn or i don't even know her name what's her name chelsea
0: jj reddick's wife is chelsea yeah chelsea.
1: She'll, she'll be like Austin. immediately she knew <laughs> yeah chelsea like got these
0: boots and i'm like yeah Oh, you have you have to follow. You gotta follow the wives and girlfriends or the dogs, like Juju Smith Juju, um, Smith Schuster, his dogs. Like that's because then you could then they post where they are, and like and that's and even like before Kayla and Nicole and Travis got back, she was at Britney's baby shower. She she came and and I was like, oh, she's not she's not flying in if there's not a little reconciliation here. And then you watch how they play and you could always see the correlation. Just saying.
1: <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, so how many completions, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't care, like I really don't, but I also, again, I think it just, for me, they're just regular, regular people. It's like, I don't Well, sure
0: but how- no, but that's the point. They are, and that shit affects you. That's my point, is they are just regular people who happen to have these amazing talents that get paid a lot of money so like when I always go back to Donovan McNabb his his wife he had twins yeah. and his wife gave they were premature and he was like sucking for a couple games and my mom my mom this is literally how my mom talks she's she's a kindergarten teacher she's like Nicole Ann he's worried about the babies I'm telling you once they come home and the kids went home and his he turned his game around so it's not that they're not regular people. It's that they are regular people. And then it's the whole, again, this is a whole other podcast about men and mental health and the, and the, the stress that goes into all of it. And yeah. So.
2: I, you know what? That's, I'm going to now, just because of you, I'm going to now start looking just a little bit. I'm not yep. following the wives and girlfriends. I, I just can't do because that. Can- that it's a lot of nonsense on my Instagram quite frankly because and, and it's not to talk bad on them but like I I don't care that you're selling like whatever on Instagram or whatever Instagram ad you have going on which it's constant so like no thank you on that but I'll check in occasionally and just see what's going on like if someone's having a bad day maybe Harrison Butker missed those you know Field goals and whatnot because something was popping off at home and I didn't know.
0: Yeah, you know why you know why I missed the field goals? Because he's a Trump lover and he knew that he was gone. That's why he missed all the field goals. Is he? Yes, he's a crazy lo- Trump lover, Christian, pro lifer. You know he's hot as hell and always looks and always looks fire in his clothes. But yeah, oh, he's like I love God. you know he's a he's a God lover and I love God too but he's a Trumper, and he was all upset last week that Trump was going to be out, and that's why he did it. <laughs> well, and- None of these <laughs> things have been proven.
2: This is a theory we might investigate. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. Well, this has been so fun. Um, so fun. I, I got to go because I got to get to the station. Yes. Oh, wait. give um, Breland, give
0: all your socials really quick.
2: All your- oh, yeah. So my Instagram is Breland Moore, B-R-E-L-A-N-D, spelled like Bashad Breland with one less E. Um, and then my Twitter handle is Breeland at uh, KCTV5. So
1: you can awesome. find me on there. Thank Learn you good you so much for doing this. This was seriously so much fun. Yes, yeah. good
2: luck.